Welcome to the Nourish, Eat, Repeat podcast, helping people who want to improve their health and change their mindset around food so they can live the life they were designed and called for. I am your host, Adrian Delgado, and in this podcast, I'll give you step-by-step action plans to reach your health goals, as well as my favorite recipes I know you and your family will enjoy. Let's get started. Welcome back to another episode. Now, as you know, I'm a registered dietitian, and most of you know, maybe not all of you, uh, that uh, I own and work in an outpatient nutrition practice. So, our practice's name is called Body Metrics, and to date, we have 10 dietitians on staff, which is pretty remarkable and pretty exciting because it enables us to help a lot of people. Now, some people are asking us the question, like, what is the difference between a dietitian and a nutritionist? And the short answer is a dietitian is credentialed uh, through the academy. We have sat through national exams and we are able to bill what we call medical nutrition therapy. Now, I don't want to take anything away from nutritionists. They have come a long way throughout the years. Um, Back when I first started, you could basically go away for the weekend and come out with a nutritionist certificate. I feel like there are a lot of great programs that have evolved over the past 20 years. Um, But in order to um, give advice in terms of medical nutrition therapy, a dietitian is um, basically known as the expert in this area. And so today, I want to specifically put on my medical nutrition therapy hat and talk to you about heart disease. So heart disease is the number one killer of women and men, especially women over the age of 50. And so I want to take a little bit of time, especially because February is Heart Health Month, and just talk about what does that mean for us? What are the things that we should look for? Uh, How can we protect ourselves? You know, I once read an article that said if we all lived to the age of 100, we would all have hypertension. We all have high blood pressure. And so for a lot of us, we're we're not escaping this. All right. But we can do things to prevent us from getting some of these diseases prematurely. And so I want to talk about that from a nutrition standpoint. Now, I was trying to think of a funny story that I could share that I could connect with heart health. And I was coming up blank. But when I started thinking about heart, okay, heart beating, what makes my heart beat faster? And here's a fun fact about me I hate being scared. I hate scary movies. I don't want to watch them. I think the scariest, the last scariest thing I ever watched was that series called Lost. If you remember that, that was probably 15 years ago um, on TV. And it was the scariest thing I watched. I remember watching it in our basement and running up the stairs at the end of the night because I was so scared. (laughs) That is how much I hate being scared. Interestingly, though, I do like roller coasters. Um, A couple weeks ago, my family went to Great Adventure on New Year's Eve, and it was 
the best experience. Number one, it's dead. So if you like going to amusement parks, I highly, highly recommend going on New Year's Eve. There's not a lot of people there. Thankfully, the weather wasn't freezing. So um, my daughters, listen, Charlie and Bella, they wore tank tops and a sweatshirt. Now, me, on the other hand, had on a long sleeve thermal shirt, a sweatshirt, a ski jacket, a hat, and a pair of gloves. So that just tells you something right there. I hate being cold. But um, but yeah, they didn't seem to mind it at all. And the temperature was pretty mild for New Year's Eve. And we literally went on any ride we wanted. We may have waited one time in line. And we basically bounced around from one roller coaster to the next. It was a ton of fun. Um, and I think, you know, by the third hour, fourth hour, we were all ready to go home because we're like, that's enough. We can't do anymore. <laughs> Very different from an experience over the summer. But anyway, um, yes, I do like roller coasters. I will say I'm scared in the moment, but once I'm on it, I absolutely love it. So let's switch gears though. You didn't come to hear about my love for roller coasters. You came to hear about heart disease. So let's talk about that for a little bit. So heart disease really is a broad, uh, a broad term. Uh, it basically describes this pretty big range of conditions that can affect your heart. So when we hear heart disease, that can include um, coronary artery disease, which is basically a disease of the blood vessels. Um, it can include arrhythmias, which have to do with your heartbeat and the actual rhythm of your beat whether it's too fast or too slow. Um, heart disease can also encompass heart defects that you're born with. Uh, we call them congenital heart defects because congenital means when you're born with the problem. It can include, includes, that's not even a word. It can include diseases of the heart valve or of the heart muscle itself or any infections. And so when we talk about heart disease, we're talking about all these things. We typically think of things like high cholesterol, high blood pressure. Um, yes, those are all things that encompass heart disease as well. Congestive heart failure, that's when you have too much fluid around your heart. Um, we typically think of things like chest pain as an indicator of heart disease. Um, chest tightness can also be a symptom, pressure, discomfort, shortness of breath, pain, numbness, weakness, um, pain in the neck, jaw, throat, upper abdomen, back. Like these are all symptoms of different heart diseases. As always, if you are concerned in the least, um, or have any questions, you absolutely want to go see a physician. This podcast is not a substitution for going to see your doctor and doing your regular checkups. Uh, I just want to inform you and let you know of things that you can look for. And if any of these symptoms are concerning or things that you're experiencing, you absolutely want to go speak to your doctor about this. All right. Anytime you have chest pain, shortness of breath, or fainting, these are symptoms that need to be addressed right away. And so if you are experiencing any of that, you definitely want to go speak to your doctor right away. All right. What I want to do, though, is I want to talk about 
heart disease more from the nutrition side of things. Like what are the things that you can do to either protect yourself from getting heart disease or manage heart disease that you may currently already have? And so I figured probably the easiest way to talk about this today would be to break it down in terms of macronutrients. So carbs, proteins, and fats. All right. So I want to break it down by carbs, proteins, and fats. And I want to just tell you a couple practical things that you can do right now to protect yourself and to manage anything that you do have so that you can live a long, long, long healthy life with minimal complications. All right. So let's first jump to carbohydrates. So if you've listened to this podcast before, you know that carbohydrates, no two carbohydrates are the same. And it's really not fair to put all of them into one category and to villainize them. And a lot of commercial diets will do that. Carbohydrates are bad. You can't eat carbs. Carbs make you fat. All of that is just basically a lie. Um, Carbs are not the same. There are different types of carbs. And so specifically, the carbs that are going to help you the most when it comes to heart disease is fiber. Guys, you know how much I love talking about fiber. You know how much I love talking about poop. I tell you guys, your poop tells a story. You need to look at your poop to analyze it to see how you're doing with your diet. And so when you're choosing carbohydrates, because your body runs on carbohydrates, you need to be choosing the kinds that are going to help your body the most. And in this case, we're talking about fiber. Fiber is really helpful because it actually binds to cholesterol and removes it from your body through your waist. That's a good thing. For a lot of us, the carbohydrates we're eating most often are things like white flour and white bread and frozen waffles and muffins and donuts and biscuits and cakes and pies and egg noodles and white crackers. Let's be honest. Those are the things that we eat the most because they're quick, they're easy, they're convenient, they're available. But they're not what is healthy for our body. We always hear, eat more whole grains, eat more whole wheat right? That's a good thing. And we need to be doing it. You know, look for whole wheat flour, 100% whole grain, right? Multigrain and wheat flour, those are nice words, but they don't necessarily mean the whole grain. They just mean multiple forms of grain or wheat. But here's the deal. All flour is made from wheat. So when you put that label wheat bread on a loaf of bread, you're basically saying bread made from flour, which we all know that, right? We all know that. What you want to look for is that whole wheat, that word whole, W-H-O-L-E. That's a big, important word. We want to look for that number 100% whole grain, right? Not just multigrain, 100% whole grain, How we know a product is high in fiber is we look at the nutrition label. We turn that sucker around, we flip our wrist, we look at the label, and we look to see, does it have at least three grams of fiber in it or more per serving? If that is the case, you know you have a good product. When you're looking at cereals, try to look for them with more than five grams of fiber per serving. 
okay? Most cereals out there have one to two. They're basically sugar in a box, right? Look for that whole grain pasta or look for pastas made from beans or vegetables. Oatmeal, quinoa, rye, brown rice, barley. These are all great words to look for when you're trying to find a product with high fiber. I was reading a book the other week and it said that um, if you look at our look at back into history, that most um, people, you know, they were hunter gatherers, they lived off of fiber. In fact, their body was adapted to, to eat up to 100 grams of fiber a day. Now, in my practice, and the people that I come in contact with, they are not coming anywhere close to 100 grams of fiber a day. They are not getting close to 50 grams of fiber a day. Heck, most of them are not even getting close to 20 grams of fiber a day. The average American's diet is between 7 and 13 grams of fiber. When you take that number and compare it to 100, we are doing a very poor job of choosing whole grain products, of choosing produce, beans, nuts, seeds, plants, Let's just dumb it down and say plants. We're doing a terrible job at picking enough plants every day. And when we do pick plants, we pick the refined, easy-to-grab plants because they taste better. And they taste better because a lot of that grittiness has been stripped away and they have been, you know, processed with a lot of sugars and, and fats that aren't healthy for us. And I get it. I get it. You know, when I have the option between 79, 79 cent pasta and, you know, $3 whole grain pasta, I want to choose the 79 cent pasta too, because I know my kids aren't going to complain and it's cheaper, but it's cheaper for a reason, right? Because it's stripped away of all its nutrients. So when you think of a grain, all right, here's your little biology lesson for the day. There's three components of a grain, there's the outer bran portion. This is where all the fiber is and where all the vitamins are, the nutrients. Then the middle of the grain is what we call the endosperm, and the center is called the germ. Now, during the refining process, most times what happens is they strip off that outer bran layer and they mill up the inner two layers. And that gives the product its nice, smooth texture and that good nice mouthfeel that we desire. Again, you strip off all the grittiness, but you also strip off all the fiber and the nutrients. So a whole grain, what they do is they mill up the entire grain in its entirety. And so what you're left with is a product that actually has nutritional value. When you only mill up the inner two layers of the grain, you get a desired texture that you're looking for, but you have no nutritional value whatsoever. So a lot of times companies will chemically add, they will what they call enrich, they will enrich products with nutrients to at least boost their nutrient value up, which is, you know, a good thing. I'm not putting that down, but I'd much rather have the nutrients in their f normal form than have it be through chemicals. That's just my opinion. Okay, so I want you to look for fiber, all right? If you're choosing cereals, breads, pasta, rice, crackers, 
baked goods. I don't care what kind of carbs you're picking. I just want there to be fiber in them. Okay. So I need you to look at your label and I need you to look for, you know, something of value. Now we do have to be careful because sometimes those high fiber products will also be laced with a lot of sugar in order to make that fiber taste good. Um, so we don't want to sacrifice high fiber, um, and also get high sugar. That's not the point of this. And we've talked about sugar before in previous episodes. Uh, so I don't want to bore you today with that. I want to really focus on just the fiber aspect in terms of heart disease. All right. So again, the more plants that you can choose, the more high fiber plants you can choose, the better you're going to feel, the better your lab values will be. Um, not to mention blood sugar control, gastrointestinal um, relief. You'll notice that your bowel movements are more regular, which who doesn't love that? Um, you just feel better, right? It helps with constipation. Fiber can help with diarrhea. It is the miracle cure-all. I love, 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 love fiber. And unless you have a certain GI conditions that don't allow you to eat enough fiber, things like colitis or Crohn's or something like that, um, you got to just include it. The general rule of thumb is you don't want to go from one extreme to the other when it comes to fiber. So if you're averaging around seven grams, you don't want to go to 20 overnight. You want to do it slowly, incrementally, and you always want to make sure you're drinking plenty of water so um, you don't get constipated. All right. And if you need help with this, you want to know your specific numbers, like, well, how much fiber do I need and how do I get more fiber? that's where we can help you, right? That's where you meet with a dietitian. You schedule an appointment, whether it be at Body Metrics or it be at a different place. You know, it's all about getting you the help you need and learning what does your specific body need so you can feel your best. That's all we're talking about here. All right, so we talked about carbohydrates. We want to try to choose high fiber carbs as much as possible. Next, I want to talk a little bit about protein, Okay, so obviously protein is also very important in our diets. Um, when it comes to heart health, plant proteins are the way to go. Right, so we're going to get into fat in a little bit, but one of the biggest contributors to heart disease is saturated fat, which is found in animal products. Unsaturated fat, though, is found in plants, and it's found to be very heart protective. So... When you're getting your protein sources, I don't want you to always just think animal. I want you to think plants. Plant protein can be found in beans. It can be found in soy. It can be found in um, quinoa, certain grains, especially your whole grain. So who doesn't love a product that's high in fiber and plant protein? I mean, that's just a win right there. Um Plant proteins can be found in nuts and seeds, peas, like even now you'll notice that there's pea protein powder, you know, if you're looking for more of a vegetarian or a vegan based option alternative to soy, you know, there's so many different places that we can get protein now through grains and through plants versus just animals. All right. So I want you to think about how can you incorporate more plant proteins into your diet. 
If you are going to choose animal proteins, though, I do want you to choose lean versions of it. All right. Because again, the higher the fat, the higher the saturated fat, the more problematic it is for your heart. The recommendations for fish are two times a week. If you really, really hate fish, you can also get the benefits from a fish oil supplement. So you can do that or you can do flaxseed oil or flaxseed um, oil supplements. Both are perfectly acceptable. All right. Um, if you are looking at other animal uh, versions like um, like your meat, obviously your foods like ribs and hot dogs and sausages and bacon and fried meats and pepperoni, those are not going to be your best options. <laughs> All right. Um, nor will high fat dairy products. All right. Now I fall into the camp where I like to purchase low fat dairy. A lot of non-fat dairies have a ton of extra sugars added to them and different chemicals. Um, a lot of high fat dairy come with a lot of saturated fat. So I find that the low fat dairy is just a good compromise of the two. But again, read your label. That's what's going to give you the most information to find out if it's the right product for you. Looking at the front of the container is not your best bet. I remember one time I was walking through a grocery store and I was walking past one of the end caps and there was a display for chickpea crackers. And I'm like, oh, that sounds interesting. I should get these. That They look pretty good. You know, there's a picture of a barn on the front, so clearly they were healthy. And I stuck them in my cart to try and proceeded to walk down, you know, through the grocery store. And all of a sudden I'm like, wait a second, what am I doing here? I picked up the box out of my cart and I turned it over and I started looking at the nutrition label. First of all, there was no fiber in these products at all. I think maybe one gram at most. I'm like, well, for a cracker made out of chickpeas, and I know chickpeas are very high in fiber, what the heck is going on? I then started to read the ingredient list, and chickpeas were at the end of the list. Now, in case you didn't know this, ingredients are always listed from most to least. So whatever is in the product the most will be at the top of the list, and whatever's the least will be at the bottom. Chickpeas were the last ingredient, which meant there was hardly any chickpea in the product at all. And yet, if you turn the package over to the front, the crackers were called chickpea crackers. You have to be careful. Marketing people are very, very smart. Very smart. They know exactly what to say, what images to put on the front, what's going to get you to buy a product. And man, it, I mean, it almost worked for me. I literally stuck them in my cart and wasn't going to think twice about it until I came to my senses and realized, wait, you can't always trust what is on the front of the package. And this was clearly a great example of why you can't. All right. So reading the label is always going to be your best defense and your point of power against these false claims that are put on the front of packages. All right, so we want to choose more plant proteins. Uh, if we are choosing animal proteins, we just want to choose lean sources. We want to try to do fish at least twice a week for those healthy omega-3 fats, which are so heart protective. 
So let's talk a little bit about fat, though, because this is really the name of the game when it comes to heart disease. It's saturated fat. We know that saturated fat has the biggest impact on heart disease. Um, Sodium has an impact on blood pressure, but I'm going to stick to just the macronutrients nutrients right now and talk specifically about fats. All right. So a lot of us are choosing really unhealthy fats, just like we're choosing unhealthy uh, carbohydrates. A lot of us are choosing high saturated fats like butter, lard, bacon fat, gravies, cream sauces, non-dairy creamers, hydrogenated margarines, cocoa butter, coconut oils, palm oils. Now we have to talk a little bit about coconut oil and palm oil because I know there are a lot of diets out there that actually praise this fat. And they say that they're so healthy for you. And honestly, at their core, they're still a saturated fat. How they classify fats as saturated versus unsaturated is their state at room temperature. So if it is a solid at room temperature, it is considered a saturated fat. If it is a liquid at room temperature, it's considered an unsaturated fat. And coconut and palm oils, they're tropical vegetable oils, are both solid at room temperature, which then makes them a saturated fat. And we know that saturated fats have the biggest impact on our cholesterol numbers. So I don't want you to be confused because a lot of the messaging that has been out for the past couple years has been praising those types of fat. And I just, I can't get behind it because at its core, it is still a saturated fat and long-term can cause problems. I will say this, it's really, really important for you to know your numbers. And when I say know your numbers, I mean knowing your lab numbers. A lot of times we'll do diets because our neighbor's doing them, our sister-in-law is doing them, our friend from work is doing them, and we don't really know how our body's responding to it. I've shared this story a hundred times, and I will share it a hundred times more. Remember one time I had a couple came into my office. I called them the keto couple. They were both following a ketogenic diet, which is high fat, and For the gentleman, he had lost weight, he felt better, his lab values improved, and was doing great. His wife, on the other hand, her weight had stayed the same, her lab values went completely south, her cholesterol was almost 500. 500! And they come to me and they're looking for help. And she basically says to me, I don't understand. We're doing the exact same thing. Why is he getting results and I'm not? And I looked at them and I said, well, it's actually quite simple. You have different parents because you're two different people. And how one responds to a diet will not always mean that the other will respond in the same way. One of the ways you can tell if you're responding to a diet, is to get blood work. But a lot of us don't do that. We just follow a diet that our neighbor told us to follow without any caution to what it's doing to the inside of our body. In this case, um, and you know, I always make recommendations and I try to let the um, 
the client decide what the goals are. In this case, I was like, you can't do this anymore. Like you must stop. It was probably the firmest I've ever been with a client because I was scared for her life. Right? So if you're going to try a diet, say you're going to do high fat or low carb or high protein or whatever you're doing, at least get blood work to make sure that your body can handle it because not everybody's body can. At least be safe about it. Be smart about it instead of just looking at the outside of your body as a determinant of its health. You've got to look at the inside as well. Too many people do too much damage to their bodies with crazy restrictive diets, with high carbs or high proteins or high fats or whatever they're doing, right? And they have no sense of the damage that it's doing long-term on the inside. And then they come to see me and they're like, you got to fix this. I'm like, well, we, I'll do my best. But if you've done years and years of crazy diets along the way, it's going to take some time. So you got to think about that too. What are you doing now? How is that going to affect you in the future? Now, there is something I want to bring up to your attention in terms of our omega-3 and omega-6 ratios. So omega-6 and omega-3 are their polyunsaturated fats because whenever we hear the word polyunsaturated, we know that that means multiple double bonds. Um, We call them essential fats, omega-3 and omega-6s, because we don't have the enzymes in our body to produce them, which means we have to get them in our diet. Now, some people see omega-6 essential fatty acids as pro-inflammatory, where others see omega-3s as anti-inflammatory. The problem is our ratio of omega-6s to omega-3s. We have a ton of omega-6s in our diet and not a lot of omega-3s. Rarely have you ever heard somebody say you need more omega-6 in your diet. (laughs) We don't make those recommendations because people don't have a problem getting them. What they do have a problem getting is the omega-3s, all right? So talking about that a little bit, what does that mean? So I'm, I'm throwing out words here, but I'm not really explaining what that means. So let's, let's back up a little bit. So today's diet is filled with a lot of processed vegetable oils, all right? Things like sunflower oil, corn oil, soy oil, cottonseed oil, all right? Um, I guess it was around 100 years ago when technology came into the scene. Uh, We started seeing a lot more processed oils in our diet. Uh, Soybean oil in particular went from zero pounds of consumption per person per year to 24 pounds of consumption per person per year. And the reason why we use soybean oil so readily is because it's cheap and it's accessible. All right, but the problem is it throws off our ratio of omega-6s to omega-3s. Um, back in hunter-gatherer time, we had anywhere between a 2 to 1 to a 4 to 1 ratio of omega-6 to omega-3. Now, I believe the ratio is closer to 16 to 1. All right, and so how we get this ratio back in check, so it's more of an anti-inflammatory diet, is we have to decrease some of these processed oils. So again, this is where looking at your ingredient list gets really helpful. If you see sunflower oil, corn oil, soy oil, soybean oil, cottonseed oil, um, we want to try to reduce 
the foods we eat that have these in it in the ingredient list. Um, and then we want to try to increase our omega-3. How do we do that? Well, we eat foods that naturally have omega-3s in them, like our nuts and our seafood, right? Like your, your fish, the fatty fish, like mackerel and salmon and tuna. Those are all our better, our better sources. Sardines are also very high in omega-3. You know, omega-3 protects us from developing heart disease, arrhythmias. Um, it decreases our total cholesterol and our triglycerides, our systolic blood pressure. So omega-3s are very, very healthy in our diet. We just need to make sure that they're in the correct ratio of omega-6s to omega-3s. If you can afford it, choosing grass-fed meat, um, just mostly because the feed that they give to cattle uh, and to chickens is mostly soy and corn. You know, it's an engineered feed. So anytime you can choose grass-fed products, or grass-fed meats, I should say, it's going to be a little bit healthier because they're able to just eat grass, <laughs> which has, you know, better things in it than engineered foods. Um, if you can eat eggs that were pasture-raised um, versus grain-fed, again, they're going to be higher omega-3 content. And we spoke about this earlier, but if you can do fish twice a week, that also is going to be helpful. For some of you that already are struggling with heart disease, an omega-3 supplement can be very helpful. And um, again, you want to talk to your doctor about what is the right dosage for you and if you need it and what are your options. Okay. So again, we want to make sure we're choosing fiber. We want to make sure we're choosing plant-based proteins as much as possible. Um, and then we also want to make sure that we're choosing those good healthy fats, those monounsaturated fats, you know, things like olive oil, uh, things like uh, organic canola oil, nuts, seeds, avocados, ground flaxseed is a really nice addition that is good in omega-3 and fiber and protein. So it's a great food that you can add to your smoothie or your oatmeal in the morning. All right. So I just talked a long time about heart disease and nutrition. So I just want to give you a couple take-home notes real quick. All right. Just two. I promise I'll keep them short. Number one, know your numbers. Okay. So when I say know your numbers, I mean know your lab values, right? Make sure that what you're doing is actually healthy for you. I am a big, huge fan of knowing what your numbers are and not just taking your doctor's word for it when they say, oh, everything looks great. Like actually get a copy. Download it from your portal. Know what your numbers are so you can make sure you're following trends and patterns. And if you're seeing something start to move out of range, talk to somebody to figure out how you can get them back in range. Don't wait for your doctor to say, your cholesterol is high, I need to put you on a statin before making changes. Know what those numbers are. It's your health. You have to advocate for your health and you have to be informed. Right? Doctors are overworked right now. There's a lot going on. And so you need to know what your numbers are. The other way I need you to know what your numbers are is reading labels. And again, that's where a dietitian can really help you in looking how much fiber should be on that label, how much fat, how much protein, what is right for your body, for your medical history, for your family medical history, for your preferences. 
you know, I was talking to an, an intern yesterday and, you know, as like one of the best parts of my job is figuring out the puzzle because no two people are alike, whether you're talking about medical history or past medical history, family medical history, food preferences, socioeconomic class, um, all of it, comfort level in the kitchen. It makes everything so individualized. There are no two diet plans alike. I have never given two people the same plan before because everybody has their own unique set of experiences and preferences and history. And so we take all that into consideration. So you got to know what your numbers are, both from your blood work, and you also got to know what's in your food. Always look at that nutrition label. And if you need help learning how to read it, give us a call and we can help you do that. The other thought that I'm going to leave you with is consistency matters most. All right. Consistency matters most. You can download articles from the internet that tell you what are the best foods to eat for heart health. And they're going to tell you things like leafy greens and whole grains and berries and avocados and walnuts and almonds and seeds and garlic and all these great foods. But honestly, eating them once in a while is not going to get you anywhere. What you do on a consistent basis will be a product of who you are. What you do on a consistent basis matters more than a perfect meal once in a while. You are what you eat. Your health is a reflection of what you eat and what you absorb. So if you truly want to be healthy, then these types of foods need to be the basis of your diet. And it doesn't have to be painful. Like for a lot of us, we'll, we'll buy all these new cookbooks and we'll do all these things and we'll be all inspired. And then it'll feel overwhelming and we'll do none of it. And so I want to teach you just small practical ways that you can make changes, changes that you like and changes that you can sustain. That's really the secret to all this. It's not a complete overhaul. It's small, consistent changes done over and over and over until it becomes who you are. All right. So I'm going to give you a recipe today and I'd like you to try it. All right. Um, it's using all foods that you're familiar with. So nothing crazy here. Um, but I want you to try it and see what you think. All right, it's a whole wheat penne with white beans, spinach, and walnuts, okay? It's gonna take you about 10 minutes to prepare. It's gonna take about 20 minutes to cook, so it's not a, it's not a hardship in terms of time, and it's pretty simple to follow, okay? And so you just try a recipe. Just try it, see what you think, and if you like it, I'll give you more recipes. I think this is episode like 91 or something like that. You've had 90 episodes to look or listen to for recipe ideas. But let's try this one, all right? For this recipe, you're going to need a 12-ounce package of whole wheat penne. And if you don't like penne, pick a different pasta shape. It doesn't matter to me. Two tablespoons of olive oil, um, spinach, uh, one bunch of spinach, or I'll say one bag of spinach if you're going to use a bagged version. Uh, one garlic clove sliced, a teaspoon of salt, an eighth of a teaspoon of red pepper flakes, one 15-ounce can of white beans drained and rinsed, 
I probably would use cannellini beans in this case, and a quarter cup of chopped toasted walnuts. So you're going to cook the penne in a large pot of water according to the package directions and go ahead and drain that. While your pasta is cooking in a large skillet, you're going to heat some olive oil and you're going to add the spinach, garlic, salt, and red pepper flakes. And you're going to cook for about two to three minutes until the spinach is wilted. And then go ahead and stir in the white beans until everything is warm. And then you're going to just serve the penne and the spinach bean mixture together. You're going to stir it all up and sprinkle with walnuts and serve. Okay. If you need to drizzle a little bit more olive oil over the dish before serving, you can do that. Um, it will store in a container for up to five days. If you need gluten-free pasta, obviously you can do that or use like a chickpea pasta. That would also work well. Um, but it's just a simple recipe. It's great hot. It also works cold. If you need leftovers for lunch the next day, keep it simple. We don't have to overcomplicate any of this. All right, guys, that is your episode for the week. I hope you all have a fantastic week, and I look forward to seeing you next time. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Nourish Eat Repeat podcast. If you found this episode helpful, please rate, review, and share with others so we can reach and help more people. For more information about nutrition, how to work with a dietitian, or about any of our programs, visit our website at bodymetricshealth.com. You can also find us on socials. We're on Instagram and Facebook at bodymetricshealth. The book Nourish Eat Repeat is available on our website and Amazon in both paperback and ebook versions. Once again, I'm Adrian Delgado, and I'll see you next week.